0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk shoes. Recorded live.
2: What is up? Field Street Form Radio is on the air. Wednesday, October the 28th. The week of the Georgia-Florida game. Time for Field Street Form Radio. I'm your host, The Real Dre. Hopefully to be joined by Jason Harry Dog, maybe Mike Brooks, maybe somebody else. Who knows? If anybody wants to give us a call, 724-444-7444. Enter the call ID 127467, hashtag, pound, whatever your preference on so calling that piece of, uh, of uh, what would that be? I don't know. Anyway, it's a, a hashtag or a, or a pound sign, whichever your preference. Um, but is Georgia-Florida week, like I said, the wor- world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Still called that to me, damn it. I don't care what the administrations say. It's, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia-Florida in Jacksonville At the Gator Bowl. It's not Everbank. It's still the Gator Bowl. And no, it's not an unfair advantage to play in the place called the Gator Bowl when you're playing the Florida Gators. Just have to go out and win the game. But that's all right. Hopefully, Georgia saved up some valuable, had got some valuable rest last week. Hopefully, was able to implement some. Maybe implement some new i don't know some new uh plays, some new strategies, some new some new something just something to show that they're making the trying to make a difference on the season. I think it's kind of hard to on the fans when they keep seeing the same thing over and over again for the past seven games this year. We know there's talent there, but it's, it's just got to be put in the right place. They've got to execute the proper plays, get things done. There's no arguing Florida has turned it around this year, and I don't think anybody expected them to be 6-1 and one at this point in the season. I mean, it's been a fantastic job by Jim McElwain. but as Jason has kind of pointed out on the front page article, it was a week or so ago when he was checking the, uh, comparing the new coaches and around the country that have kind of taken the country by storm, such as McIlwain, such as Harbaugh, that they pretty much have just basically won the games that they should have won. They didn't necessarily, they haven't necessarily gone out and become dominant teams as of yet. Um, now, granted, where Florida was coming from last year and, and under Agent Muschamp, as many Georgia fans like to proclaim him, they weren't very good offensively, that is for sure. Um, they never could get it going on offense, and, and McElwain has been able to do a great job of putting guys in pl- in position to make plays, just like I was talking about before with Georgia, what they need to do. Um, However, like I said, you know, Florida has has got guys in in position to to make plays. Will Greer, before he went out, was, you know, he wasn't going to be confused with Peyton Manning, anybody like that. But he was, you know, putting the ball where it needed to be placed, keeping the team out of bad plays, keeping the team out of turnovers. They were able to get enough run game, either with with Greer a little bit, or mostly you know mostly with uh, Kelvin Taylor. One huge bright spot for Florida this year has been the their offensive line. They went from putrid basically blocking themselves. You know that was the huge meme, the huge you know. Joke going around on the internet was that, you know, little Florida's blocking their own players, and they did it twice, I think, in the last two years prior to Muschamp's departure. I know one was against Georgia Southern when Georgia Southern ended up beating them. And then I believe it did it last year again. I forget which game it was, but they, you know, there was a play where two Florida players were engaged and and locked in, blocking each other. I don't know how it happens. I guess you're just kind of... Maybe it was just good timing by the cameraman. I don't know. But... The thing is, they're, they're, it seems like the offensive line... I'm not Again, I'm not by any means... I'm not any sort of offensive line guru. Or offensive line guru has been extremely busy so far this season. Only been able to join us once on the show the past few weeks. But... It looks like to me, and, and like I said, in my un, uneducated opinion, it looks like the offensive line coach and, and their offense has really simplified things for their offense, offensive line, um, giving them a chance to kind of get their feet under them but not really make things too confusing for them. Now, I will say, again, kind of like Jason pointed out when he kind of went over their schedule, it's not like they were playing you know, the Green Bay Packers or anything like that, or even Alabama for that matter, um, until this past week or two weeks back when they played LSU. And even then, despite having to play their backup quarterback, despite being on the road at night in Death Valley, you know, it wasn't necessarily their offense's fault that they lost that game. I mean, they they put up 28 points. So Georgia's defense, Coach Pruitt's going to have to be ready. Going to have to put together a, a strong game plan for for Florida. I do. I will say this: after last year, I really think, I really hope, I'll put it this way, that these this Georgia defense is not going to allow Florida to just manhandle them like they did last year. That was, you know, that was the head scratcher game of the year last year. I think the team and and possibly even the coaching staff, I hate to say it, but I think they may have taken Florida lightly last year because they looked so awful last year, to be completely honest. They looked so awful on offense that they thought as good as Georgia's offense was at putting up points. I think they felt like they were just going to go in and roll, and, and, you know, they they should have. But the defense just – they just got out, man. There's no question about it, and overpowered. That's, that's the sad thing when you look back at last year. But that's – anyway, that's – like I said, that's in the past. Again, my hope is that the kids left from last year's defense will use that as, as motivation in these past two weeks, that the coaching staff will use that as motivation to, you know, kind of go with that, you know, I'll be damned if that happens again, mentality. Because yes, Kelvin Taylor is is a talented back. Like I said, Florida's offensive line has been serviceable to to good this year. Treon Harris, now the starter after Will Greer's suspension for steroids. You know, last or last game didn't look. Terrible. He kept the team, like I said, he kind of took over the Will spot and passed the ball fairly well for, uh, especially when you look back to the, his season before, when he was the starter last year, didn't exactly look like a, a solid passing quarterback. But he was able to make enough plays and, and they were able to get enough yardage on the ground using Taylor and, and Harris and everything else to keep the ball moving, make things happen on offense, and allow their defense to, you know, hopefully, for Florida's case, they want to use their defense to make plays to get the ball back for them and, and, uh, you know, just handle their business. I mean, Florida's defense is still very, very, very good. Now, what I would like to see for Georgia – is to see that offensive line I won't say mature because there's no you know there shouldn't be a mature matureness about it, but to see them just step up and become leaders of the team, make things happen and and allow whoever's getting the ball behind them, running the ball, be it Sony, be it Douglas, be it Keith Marshall, be it Quavon Hicks. Even, you know, I still think that A.J. I wouldn't even be surprised to see A.J. a be able to produce if he's given the opportunity. But whoever's back there is talented enough to be a productive quarterback or a productive running back. Um, You know, the, the talent is at the running back spot. The talent is at the offensive line. But it's time for them to, you know, Put things together and, and make it happen. Protect the quarterback, be it Lambert, be it Ramsey, be it Balto. Protect the quarterback. Make him realize. Don't let Lambert get his happy feet. You know, even if he, even if the pressure isn't there, make him feel so comfortable, like he did in the South Carolina game, that he feels like he could stand in the pocket, because that's when he's been his best. Is when he feels comfortable. When he gets any sort of pressure. He's not going to – he kind of wigs out. But we've delved into that, and I I don't want to keep, you know, talking about the same thing over and over again. Um, But this offensive line is time. You know, everybody thought that this offensive line was going to be one of the tops in the country this year. And to date, I think they've been maybe above average at best.
0: You know, I mean –
2: maybe when you look at the numbers you know they haven't been terrible but but this offensive line was supposed to be extremely you know i mean it is extremely talented but this was supposed to be one of the more dominant offensive lines in the country and so far they haven't been dominant they've been they've been solid to above average like i said But now is the time. If they can pick it up now, you still have your goal of winning the East. You still have your goal of getting to Atlanta and winning the SEC. Those goals are still out there. You know, long shot, yeah, but you can't win it unless you get there. So with that being said, it's time for this offensive line to become the more dominant offensive line that that we that we were anticipating coming into the season, Theus, Houston, Pike, Wynn, and, and Kublano need to step up and make sure things get done. Make sure the ball gets moved. And I'll tell you this: if the offensive line makes things happen, you take a look at two two key stats for Georgia's offense right now. They're losing the time of possession. It's, I believe it's averaging about 27 minutes per game to 30 something minutes per game for the uh, for the opponent. And you look at 33% conversion rate on third down. Those two stats are that's that is not good. That is not going to help you win football games, and we've seen that two out of the last three games. And really, even the 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 Missouri game, but the defense bailed us out and, and kept Missouri out of the out of the end zone all game long. But if the offensive line takes care of business, doesn't allow, you know, if they open up a hole, little, bit, you know, open up a little bit bigger hole for the running back, give Lambert or, or the quarter, starting quarterback an extra second or half second in the pocket of, of free reign. That keeps you ahead of the sticks. You don't have to sit there and fight for second and long, third and long especially. And you're able to actually just run the ball to convert third downs. To me, that was the whole key in the South Carolina game was the fact that, you know, Georgia was one for four. Not a good conversion rate, by the way, but they only had four third downs the entire game. I mean, that offense was so... On point in that game, obviously, Lambert had a huge game. You didn't a NCAA record for completion percentage. Chubb and Michelle both went off in the running game. And it, to me, it's attributable back to the offensive line. That was most likely their best game. I was it against least talented defense. I wouldn't say that necessarily. Maybe the biggest game with the least talented defense. We'll put it that way. Where the the... Georgia offense. The Georgia offensive line had that motivation to play in a, in a, you know, what was thought to be a big game at the time. And they they played motivated. They played well, and they played up to their potential. Now it's time for them to do that to carry the do, the dogs Saturday in Jacksonville and carry it, the dogs the rest of the season. It's going to fall on the offensive line, no matter who plays quarterback, no matter who's behind behind the quarterback. To tote the ball. Speaking of toting the ball, Jason Harry Dog, who never got to carry the ball, I don't think in his football career, did he? I heck no!
3: <laughs> that that white boy don't
2: carry the ball. <laughs> What's going on, man? They still don't want none of the big ugly stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, put put you back like William in the refrigerator, Perry. Man, come on. Short yardage. <laughs> no, not even that. <laughs> Still too slow. Well, what you think, man? I went on my little little rant. I'm ready for somebody else to talk. What's your, what are you rambling about? Rambling about Georgia, Florida week, son. It's time for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't think they not call a- it that anymore. What? I still call it that, but like officially, oh, they don't call it that anymore. Why? Because they don't want to promote underage drinking and drinking and uh, uh, drunkenness and debauchery. And
3: that's <laughs> going to happen anyway.
2: I know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know anybody who stopped drinking for, for the Georgia Florida game for any game. you roll with it to make money off of it. Just because it's called, they stopped calling it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Now they try trying what well, they call it? The Battle of the Indian Ore or Cherokee finoki Ore or something? I don't know what it is. When did that come about? I want to know. Uh, I don't remember that until about like five to ten years ago. Had you ever heard it called that before recently? And I don't know. The Okie fin- Isn't it the Okie Finoki Ore or something, something like that? And they got a big... Oh, well, it. Everybody always comes up with something stupid. Man. Oh, well. I do you want to call as it. Play ball. As long as it comes back to Athens, I don't care what they call it. That's what I'm saying. I'm all for moving <laughs> it to a home at home. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about the trophy, not the... No, man, you keep it Jacksonville. Do what? what? I, I thought I was talking about the tro- the big rivalry trophy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. As long as that comes to Athens, I don't care what they call it. Oh, I'm talking about the game, man. No, man. Can't. Yes. Why? Because. Recruiting, baby. <laughs> uh, well, you, they can come to the game now, can't they? Didn't they change that rule a couple of years back?
3: So they can go to the new York site now. I mean, if they
2: go and buy a ticket, I don't think that changed it. Huh. You might be right. I don't. I just. I just don't remember that changer. Yeah. I. I've just never been a, a one to blame the location of the game. You got to play the game no matter where it is. I'm not. I'm not winning or losing. I'm just basing it solely on recruiting. Oh. I got you. I've never heard anybody use that line of logic. I mean, especially if like the first game of the season is going to be at the Georgia Dome. You know, yeah. if we're going to keep doing stuff like that, because I think that counts as like a, you know, that didn't count as a home game either. So that's, you're taking away two games right there. You know, of course it's home and home. So, you know, you're taking, taking away a game basically averages out to a game every year. Right. A game and a half every year, really. Yeah. Now, I've heard a lot of times it's the longest trip, road trip of the year for, for Georgia, having to go to Jacksonville. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Even though it may be considered a home game some you know, some of those years too. But I think we're I, I don't think we're, uh, this year. Yeah, I think we're the road team this year. You think they would uh are they they're not gonna do the home color uniforms for both this year, are they? You know, I saw people talking about it. I hadn't heard for sure. I figured – here's what I figured is Georgia allowed Florida to wear – you know, because it's the home team's call or whatever. Georgia allowed Florida to wear their blue uniforms. I, I I would almost bet you anything Florida would deny the Georgia the right to wear their red home
3: uniforms.
2: Oh, I could see that. <laughs> I would totally see that. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't heard yet. I don't have to – maybe we'll be surprised Saturday. I don't know. You know how we guarantee the wear the red uniforms? What's up? Make it a home at home. Bring <laughs> your bathrooms, baby. <laughs>
3: I've
2: heard most people say they don't want Florida fans in Athens. I'd I lower spend spending money like everybody else. I don't care. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Dude. I like it. Jacksonville, man. Come on. Oh, there wouldn't be nothing better than going down to the swamp and whooping their tails. But.
3: <laughs> uh, I've
2: been—I've only been once, and that experience wasn't very good. Yeah, maybe I need to try to go again and see what happens. Yeah, I really—I contemplated this year, but I just—I've only been once too, even though I'm only an hour away. But um, well, let me ask you this: that one game that you went to. Where was Georgia favored to win, like big time, with a Florida coach that was about to get fired, and I uh, went in and got their asses pulled? Nah. Uh, <laughs> Florida won the what national that year, and we almost pulled off pulled the upset. But typical like Jacksonville. Three Jackson. them, <laughs> including you, starting with you, you blame it on me. <laughs> 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 well, we gotta it's gotta be a reason for it. It couldn't just be that they lost the game. Yeah, I believe you started that one.
3: <laughs> Me? I
2: wouldn't do that. See <laughs> <Yeah>, how it is. <laughs> uh, what what do you what are your thoughts going into the game, man? Are you? I mean, honestly, if you want the truth of it, I, I think Dog Nation as a whole is just kind of completely down on it this year. Well, I mean. There's a way to not necessarily be confident, but still support the players and the coaches, and you know,
3: yeah,
2: and be right there behind them. So you know, I'm not confident enough winning, but I mean,
3: yeah,
2: I'm still going to be here screaming, yelling at the TV like I always am, and throwing my hat across the room and anything else I can find. So that counts for something, yeah. right? <laughs> oh
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I still refuse to trust the players and the coaches. No, yeah, I don't. I agree totally with that. One thing that does concern me a little bit is seeing a friend of mine was checking tickets on like StubHub, and I think he said there was only four Florida sections that weren't sold out, but there's like twelve Georgia sections that were that were still had tickets available. Oh yeah that that was a big indication to me that, like, okay, I see where Dog Nation is thinking right now. Uh, and another thing, if you want to know the truth of it, I'm a little disappointed in, in Glenn County because they, they, you know, made that whole stinking and color blue about, you know, frat beach and everything, about Georgia people coming down, students and everything coming down, and, uh, you yeah, know, they – it's a lot of people on the beach, and that leads to a lot of trash. Don't get me wrong. I mean, leaving trash on the beach kind of thing. But they sent okay, that, right. whole, that whole article up to to Athens, to Georgia, and they shared it with the students and let them know that they weren't, you know, going to put up with underage drinking, and they weren't going to put up with DUI, which that's understandable. Don't get me wrong. But now I've talked to a lot of people in the hotel at the hotels, I've talked to people who rent homes and stuff for for week, you know, weekend rentals and stuff that are usually pretty much capped out, and they said they are all roughly thirty to forty percent down right now. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I can see that we're just not playing very well right now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty dang simple. Yeah. Like, be better if people come. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I more think, points think, if people
3: home. Yeah.
2: Combination of the season and, and combination of Blaine County almost making them feel unwelcome, in my opinion. Well, I mean, on the Georgia side, I mean, you know, I mean, we're five and two right now. We beat who we should be. lost the one that we should have lost to, and Tennessee was kind of up for grabs. So I mean, you know, we've done basically what we were supposed to do: lose to Florida Saturday, and it could get ugly. Beat Florida Saturday, and all you have to do is beat Kentucky and Auburn, and you win the SEC East.
3: Right. So I mean,
2: it could change just as quick. As far as the frat beat side, I mean, okay, do all that. I mean, if, if I'm a, if I'm not 38 and you know, young person and going to that stuff, then okay, I'll just spend my money somewhere else. It depends what the territory. Yeah. If people are gonna come and stay there and spend all that money in your town, you gotta take right. the good with the bad. And if you don't want them there, then we
3: won't spend the money there. Yeah,
2: and and my thing is, my concern is usually once people start going, you know, if they start going somewhere else, there's absolutely no guarantee that they're going to change their mind and come back to Glen County in the future. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. The good always comes with the bad. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, yeah, you got to... I mean, I, I know if I invite a bunch of the boys over for the Florida game Saturday... I know the living room is going to be trash, and I know I better clean it up when my wife sees it. <laughs> I can't have my cake and eat it, too. Right. I, and whether it's frat beach, fat beach, or whatever, they're <laughs> going to go drink it somewhere.
1: Exactly. So
2: and, and make money off of it, yeah. or don't. Yeah, they always bring up, oh, we got to spend so much money to clean up and extra people to come do this and extra police. You know what? Okay.
4: So Fine, but would you rather
2: that? spend money to make money or right. would you rather not have that economic boost at all?
4: Yep. That's what
2: I'm saying. And, and the vast majority of, of the people that come down, vast majority, there is no, no issue whatsoever. They always have these big – it's kind like, uh, of like rumors of, you know, mean fans at other stadiums when you go on the road. You know, oh, they threw – grandma over the top of the bleachers. I couldn't believe it. You know, that kind of thing. That was the way we Yeah, yeah. It's always uh. grandma over the top of the bleachers. <laughs> it's always, you know, oh, this kid was so drunk he was walking down the middle of the road naked and blah, blah, well, blah.
3: blah.
2: You know, it's, they need to look something. at it this way. Look at it. They need to look at it this way. Even the DUIs and the underage drinking, that still makes them money. Yeah, I know. Because, I mean, if people have to pay the funds, you're making even more money. I mean, come on. Yep. Do you
3: want it or not?
2: Exactly. And I guarantee it's you the like. the hotels and the restaurants and bars and everything else, they don't, they don't mind <laughs> the convenience oh, well, stores. I mean, you just got to, the sacrifices you have to make of more police and having to clean it up and all as that, is it worth it? And I mean, if it isn't, then okay, we'll go somewhere else. But I don't think it's worth it. Yep.
0: Um, what,
2: what do you think? you feel like there's going to be any changes we see? I always have that thought of, well, maybe they're going to come out doing something different. And I've thought this in years past, but I've kind of just... Put that on the back burner this year, and said, this way, if I see it, I'll be surprised. If I don't see it, I'll. Oh, this isn't this a year to put it on the back burner, baby. <laughs> it, it might be happening. Oh, really? It, it might. It, it it it's looking more and more like it. I don't think you'll see a total change. I, I think you might see a Bauta package in there. I think I think going to the play for them. Oh, okay. I mean, it's kind of been, you know, kind of been hearing, you know, rumors of it here and there. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's rumors out there, and, you know, of course, with every bye week comes a bunch of rumors anyway, but it, it looks like that one might actually have some legs as far mm-hmm. as him getting some playing time. They, uh... I kind of think is the best way to say it. think playing time or you think starting? No, no, I think playing time. I don't, I don't think they change starters. Okay. I would say, saying it nicely, I would say Rick and Schottenheim are perplexed or shocked by how bad the quarterback situation is. And, I mean, they basically – but I was told they know something has to be done now. hmm I mean, basically, mm-hmm. they – I think they know it's desperation time. Because it is. Yeah.
3: I'll
2: also, yeah. Uh, on, on uh, 24-7 sports, you're looking at one of Florida's leading receivers – Antonio Callaway injured his foot in practice. Yeah, really? Yep. So he
0: might be out. And he's been making
2: a lot of plays.
3: hmm
2: That pretty much leaves, uh, what, DeMarcus Robinson, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean. Main threat. Basically him and Treon Harris. You know, of course, the starting quarterback, Greer, suspended then you got uh you got Harris. They have you know, they have a couple of good running backs. They have kind of a supposed to have a makeshift offensive line, but they've been playing pretty decent to be honest. Yeah, that's what I mean, I was... nothing to scream home about, but Right. Yeah, well that's what I was saying uh before you got on that they're all heads of the line their all heads of line coach should be, you know. Up for you know some some solid assistant coaching awards because he's done something correct. Either it seems like to me he's really simplified things for his offensive line to make them where it's you know nothing where they can actually function as as one unit. It seems like they've they've been they've been solid. You know nothing amazing, but hey, they're 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 not blocking each other this year. Give you know, that man a raise, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think you know. I mean, I don't think they're up for like any offensive line of the year awards, but you know, it hadn't been a cluster, you know, what like before. Yeah, and you uh, know, of course, Florida. So you know, he still playing with must to recruits. So you know, you know, you have to watch out for their defense. I mean, they're, they're fast. They're fast on defense. They they're probably as fast as up as fast as Georgia on defense. Yeah. And then, uh, then we have uh, Isaiah McKenzie's back. Jordan Jenkins is going to play. Atkins is more than likely going to play. And there's a fourth one uh, Jenkins, Atkins.
3: Chris May.
2: May. May. Yeah, May. And IMAC is good to go, too, right? Yeah. I think people didn't realize we had to we had to play with like three of our defensive linemen out and crap we don't have to like eight anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then uh what else? And then uh remember Dominic Sanders is suspended for the first half. Yeah, because of the targeting call last week in the second half, so yeah, I, it was definitely a helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. But it's so hard to to police that. By the way, uh, our guest tonight, Rex Robinson, should be calling in just a minute, but I think he's having some trouble with the talk shoe line. But I'm going to try to get it at it just through my phone. Maybe we can work it out that way. We'll see. Um, but it's so hard on a, as a defender coming in to make a hit. The guy with the ball
0: sees you. uh, Hold on a second. Hey there. Hey there. Talking
2: so if you gotta cut me off, cut me off. As far as the uh, targeting goes, I think they went just way overboard with it. I think it was originally meant for these guys launching themselves in the air, and uh, you know launching themselves at players and launching themselves at players' heads. I think something hey. really has to be done about
3: it. Yeah. I yeah. mean. both
2: there? Hold on, Jason. Oh, uh, go ahead. Is uh, you you there? Red. I think, and I think I just went way overboard with it. I mean, I
3: don't,
2: and I'm not saying the Dominic Sanders said was this, but if a player catches the ball and he bends down or he leans down and they end up going head-to-head, I mean, be targeting. I just can't be targeting. I mean, like some of your old Thomas Davis hits, those can be targeting. But, I mean, when a player catches the ball and he slips, or when the defender slips, or both of them slip, or both of them lean, you know, one's trying to go for a first down, one's trying to stop them. I mean, you can't call targeting on that. I mean, it's just... I mean, that's that's not called targeting. That's called football. That's all it is. It's football. Hey, sorry about that. He's trying to get that worked out. He's going to keep trying back in the next few minutes, and hopefully it'll go through one of these times. Definitely want to get him on and talk to him. I was really looking forward to, to talking with him. So, um, Yeah, you were, were you talking about the the targeting stuff again? Yeah, man, I mean, I mean, basically, just talking about, I don't think they're calling it for what it was meant for. Like, I think it was Quincy Mauger hitting the uh, South Carolina wide receiver on the sideline. Like, what, last year, year before maybe? That was a good hit. And, I mean, and I could see, like, some of the old Thomas Davis hits or some of the old Greg Blue hits. Like, I could see some of that being targeted. But I mean when like a wide receiver catches the ball and he either leans for a first down or slips or whatever and the guy's coming over to fit him. I mean if you're counting that almost every play is going to be parting. So, I mean I think it has to be called when guys are launching themselves at players and you know, stuff like that. I mean if somebody leaves their feet and just takes off the head of a the guy, then yeah, that's fine. But, I mean, if a running back's running and he's got two yards to go and he dives for the first down marker and another guy goes to the tackle and both of them bent down, their helmets can hit every dang time. That's not mm-hmm. targeting. That's football. All right. Well, and you probably mentioned it when I was off, but like when a defender's coming in and the offensive guy sees him, it's just human nature to kind of, you know, even if you're just ducking your shoulder down, that's going to bring your head right into the path of the defender. And that, exactly. I, that's what happens a lot of times on these calls. Well, what, what's one of the first things that you teach kids in peewee football? With low kids. man wins. Stay low. Low, low man, man wins. Well, I mean, we're sitting there teaching them from Wee football up, so low man wins, stay low. And now if you're going to do that, of course, your head's going to go lower. And, I mean, yeah. you're just going to hit heads sometimes. with football. It's going to happen. I helmets yeah. they're going to hit each other. But, I mean, if they're not trying to kill each other, it shouldn't be targeting. Right. I mean, it's like every good hit now is called targeting because it was a good hit. Yeah. I mean, you're almost waiting for the penalty flag to fly on a big hit. Oh yeah, I mean it's like ninety percent of the stuff we used to celebrate as good play is now targeting, and you get penalized for it. I think yeah. it just it takes too much away from the game, man. Mike Brooks has joined us. What's up, Yeah, Mike? brother, what's up? Oh, not much. <sighs> Waiting on. Uh, hopefully, we can get things connected up with Rex Robbins, and he's looking. Like I said, I was really looking forward to chatting with him a little bit but uh on that on the targeting stuff how do you you know to me it's almost led to more injuries on hits because it's almost the Tennessee effect you know because it's like they always are going low going at your legs now see that's a, that's more of a long-term debilitating issue for for somebody than Hits up top, hits up high. What are y'all? What are you
3: doing?
2: I think somebody's having a baby.
1: <laughs> Sorry, boys, I got my arms full. <laughs> no, that's
2: all right. I mean, don't you think the the shots to the knee, shots to the leg, lower legs, are 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 longer, long term, long term going to going to be more damaging than than the hits up to the head, well, not some of them, but the ones that they're calling targeting for right now, yeah, 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 I mean, not like I think the whole point of this rule was from a game we probably all saw with Georgia and Auburn, but five years ago, six seven years ago, when was that was that on massacre who was that on? you remember the auburn oh, I can't remember can't remember, but uh. It was just—I mean—it was just a vicious hit, straight helmet to helmet. I mean, he just completely—you want to talk about launching?
1: That was rose green.
2: Yeah. Was that on Massacre? You remember Mikey?
1: It was rose was green that, and brown. That, or
2: was it Reggie Brown? Yeah. I'm, yeah. It was even before. Rose green,
1: Reggie Brown.
2: Mm-hmm. I—I I, I honestly, that—that that, I think kind of set the tone for initiating this this kind of rule. How uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's going to really change things as far as players' health is concerned. I
1: don't think so either. I think the main thing is you can't avoid "quote unquote." You can't avoid avoid bang bang plays. I mean, mm-hmm. something just happens. You know, when you when you. Don't have any time to react. You just make a play. There's no way, in my opinion, that should be called targeting. Um, now, if a player absolutely has room and lines the guy up, and you know, launches himself, leads with his head off his feet, call it. But mm-hmm. a bang bang play, I mean, like what happened last weekend. Um, Sanders was just trying to make a play. Period. I mean, he had right. no time to. He had no time to decide if he needed to. Hit this guy, Dude. So, in my opinion, yeah. I think we need to revisit this rule a little bit and, you know, put some more common sense into it. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think they improved it. If they're going to keep it, they did improve it at least to where you know they can review it. it, takes the you know the penalty away or takes the ejection away or whatever. Um, after review, you know, so that you at least get rid of you know, plays like in the Vanderbilt game a couple of years back where we – two plays that were just complete almost textbook hits or tackles, and they were both called uh, targeting and, and ejected in 15 yards.
0: So I, I don't know. If, uh,
2: there needs to be some kind of review, I think, going on with this. and, and I mean, I'm all for player safety, don't get me wrong. But I just—I I really think in the long run, it's not necessarily, you know, I don't think it's really in the grand scheme of things, kind of doing a lot for player safety.
0: No, I do agree. I mean, I,
1: how many times have you seen targeting called, and one of the two players have actually been injured? Right. Yeah. Extremely rare. It's the. It's really the more nonchalant plays that kids get injured on more than anything, in my opinion.
3: Yeah.
0: I don't know. How is uh, anything going on with with recruiting, Jason? Um,
2: Trying to think.
0: I mean, I know we had...
2: Nothing. Kyle easy, Davis delay I mean. last week. Yeah, Rochester I mean, you're looking at Kyle again. Davis. Yeah. Which I don't know. I think I think that's probably a good thing for Georgia that he delayed it. Yeah. I think just from hearing a little bit of talk, I think I think Mom stood up and said, "I'm going to get my way." Something uh, something to that effect. Well, that's good. That's what I was wondering if it was a. You know, if it Georgia or hurt Georgia in the long run with them putting the delay on it, hopefully that's the case, that it does help. Well, what you mean, I mean, other thing to look at is we've already used our official visit, Auburn hasn't, so, you know, you got to look at that, too. And then I definitely follow the visits and listen to the talk on surprise visits slash secret visits. I'll see yeah. the... He's been in Athens more than people know. I can oh, even really? see right off the top of my head that nobody said anything about.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, that's good. Seems like there's more of those lately. <clears throat> it seems like they're all doing more of this secret stuff lately. Everybody. My God. Yeah. Some of the stuff we don't even talk about because who knows how true it is, but I mean, it's about... Three times more talk about that junk than usual. Mm-hmm. You got to sift through.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, what do you guys think? I think most of us watched uh, Jacob Eason last Friday, too. I'm not sure how good that team is they face, but he certainly looked looked solid and had great, you know, real good touch on his passes and accurate throws, things like that. Strong arm. Any other? What, what Mike? What do you think on on Easton? As good as? as I mean,
1: good he as incredible. He yeah. looked absolutely incredible. I mean, we all hear about the strong arm that he's got, but the kid could absolutely put some touch on that ball. I mean, he was dropping in baskets down the field off his back foot. It was nuts. And that same team they played. They, I think, went to overtime and only beat them by a field goal last year. So it wasn't a terrible team either. Okay. Jay, what about
2: that the back foot thing? I know a lot of people were concerned, maybe concerned about him throwing off his back foot so much. Let me tell you something, man. I'm not gonna say which one, but you got jackasses on a certain board that think they're geniuses. Somebody they throws off of his back foot too much. I'm like, I don't give a rat's pass if he throws off of his back foot. When a freaking coach calls a pass play on fourth and 24, he throws off of his back foot and drops it in on a dime in the end zone, he can throw it off of his back foot all he wants to. (laughs) Matthew Stafford threw off his back foot in high school, college, and the pros, and he still does, and he still is up in the ball. So, I mean, he breaks set up. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't think it's secret that he doesn't play against the stiffest competition in the world. But, I mean, he's, he's going to be an early enrollee, get him to campus, get him acclimated to the playbook, which he's they're probably already doing some of, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's are supposed to yet, but I wouldn't doubt that he's doing some stuff at the point of own. I mean, you get him on campus, get him acclimated to the playbook, And I've been telling the way I've been putting it is I wouldn't be surprised if he threw three or four interceptions on his first day of practice. But after the first couple, you know he'll he'll start getting acclimated to the you know the speed of practice, you know the speed of college football and all that. And you know start him off against North Carolina. Maybe I don't know if he'll start against North Carolina, but get him in the game and you know let him let him kind of get his feet wet and. See what happens, mhm, but I mean that one pass where he he had he slipped his left foot slipped on the ground, he was going to his left and he had a uh he had a lane to his right, but he was slipping so he couldn't throw it over him, and he was slipping to his left, the lane was to his right, and the play was going to his right, and he sidearm that sucker through there, mhm. And I mean, and, and zipped it faster than that's what Mason ever puts a zip on the ball.
3: <laughs>
2: and I was going to his left arm and side arm to his right. So, I mean, he can afford to throw it off his back foot some. Yeah. But the thing, the thing I'm a big believer in if it's, don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, he may not have the best looking release. and You know, his release may not be perfect according to what uh NFL pro scout wants to see or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. It may not
2: be perfect, but it freaking works. So don't okay. agree with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean don't don't get don't get it in his head that he needs to, to do something a certain way just because, you know, like you said, if it's not broke don't fix it. But you know, maybe give him a few you know say, hey, try to, you know, Forward on your throws on your with your footwork. Not be you know not be throwing off your back foot too much as much, but in the in the end, as long as it gets completed, that's all that matters.
3: I don't, know, I don't care if he
2: does. If he if he starts throwing interceptions, or he starts not getting the ball there on time, or something like that, then work on it. But until then, don't touch it.
3: Right. It's yeah. It's
2: like baseball. I've, t- I've seen. Too many guys, too many coaches in baseball, high school, college, and the pros, to where a kid, a kid or a guy be just smashing the hell out of the ball. And it's not the most fluid swing in the world, blah, blah, blah. You know, feet are set a certain way apart. They're not facing the right, you know. He can have the most screwed up swing in the world. But, if, I mean, if he's that in 500, why are you going to touch that? Yeah. If it starts hanging out, if people start figuring it out, okay, work on it. But, don't touch it. <laughs>
1: it's not broke. I absolutely agree 100%. I mean, when you've got arm strength like that, you can you can sacrifice a little bit on the mechanic side because you're going to make up for it with your arm strength, period. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stafford, prime example. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got, especially in college, you've got so many kids that are just – their mechanics are out completely out the window. Um, they're, you know, a lot of that's system based. I mean, look at Nick Marshall; he couldn't throw anything, but he took him to a national championship game. Um, right. So, yeah, I think it's overblown. It's kind of like a kind of like a golf swing in a sense. You know, if you're hitting it straight and you're hitting it good every time, don't mess with it. Right. You, know, you only tweak it when it's not working. I mean, all you can ask for is velocity and accuracy, you know? Yep. Absolutely. He's got those two things for sure. Mm hmm. Calvin always makes a good point when talking about Easton is he can throw he can throw the ball late and kind of get away with some of that. Um he can you know, he can hold on to it a little longer and throw it a little later than some guys can, which can make all the difference in the world as far as you know, throwing your tar- throwing your receiver open. Um mm-hmm. Eason's got all of that. I mean, he's got it in spades. So I have no worries about anything as far as his mechanics, arm strength—you name it—coming into coming, in the, coming in the SEC play at all. Mm-hmm. At, at at this point, as long
2: as he's not throwing the ball into the ground at our players' feet, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> happy.
1: Jeez. Absolutely
2: everybody's talking about him starting as a true freshman woman. should he start or not, should he start or not. I'm like You telling me it can get worse?
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean you bring him in and you know he's gonna make his mistakes, he's gonna throw some interceptions, mm-hmm. but by God, I'll, I'll take some interceptions right now as long as the ball's being completed to somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you guys feel like with him being an early enrollee, does that it doesn't quite take the place of a redshirt year, but feel like it's close enough to kind of simulate that redshirt year going through through spring ball and everything?
1: Oh yeah, for for a kid that talented, absolutely, absolutely,
2: yeah. When um, when do these guys start school and register? December. It is yeah, they're December, isn't it? early mm-hmm. enrollees. Yeah, come in in
1: December. Yeah, December.
2: What are the All Star <laughs> games? November. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of mm-hmm. between, they're kind of between like, or it might be early December
1: possibly, couldn't it? Isn't it? It's, the, it's the week after the SEC uh, game, playoffs. So. playoffs are done. For oh, I- really? Yeah. Well, that's like January. I was about to say, that's
2: January. No, for high school playoffs?
1: Oh, I thought you meant the college playoffs. No, 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 high school high school football playoffs. It's the week after that. They don't they don't miss a week, I don't think, as far as playing time for a lot of them. No, they come in January. Hang on.
2: Because I mean, oh, the Army oh. All-American Bowl is January 9th, okay. 2016. Hmm. So they'll be enrolled on, like, January, like, 11th. Because last yeah. year, I remember, like, Trent Thompson, a bunch of the guys, some of, not Trent, but some, I can't remember which one it was, some of the guys didn't even go home after the Army on American game. Mm-hmm. They they went straight from the game, straight to Athens.
1: is, Chauncey.
2: Oh, so, yeah, guys. they'll be, they'll be enrolled January 11th. It seems like it used to be different, though. Because it seems like teams had played early enrollees in the bowl game.
0: it was a spring game
2: That's All many played play the bowl they can practice. they're allowed to practice in the bowl practices. I
0: do remember that
2: yeah you know, hmm. I know I know what it was, what was the I can't remember exactly who it was there was. One or two guys before that finished even even earlier than that, and they ended up. They I think it may have been Donna. Anyway, they had finished like even way earlier than that, and they ended up enrolling the fall semester,
4: and they could have played I, in the
2: bowl game. Because I know they've had kids come in in December. Yeah, yeah. It, it ended up being like a. Uh, so, you know, you got the full-term classes and you have, like, A-term and B-term. Right. And so it ends up, I think, there's been a couple of them that took, like, B-term classes, and they were here and practiced for the bowl game. I can't remember exactly who it was. I have to go back and look and see if I can find it. But that's what I was thinking of because I was thinking I'd play Easton in a damn bowl game, but he won't be here.
3: <laughs> it would be I'm nice.
2: Playing. Uh, I'm yeah, telling,
3: okay.
2: nice. put it this way at Atlanta in the Dome against North Carolina my first play Jacob Eason starts the
4: game for me I don't
2: care if he doesn't play the rest of the game he's starting the game and my first play we're going to the shotgun and we're putting a couple of speedsters out there and just someone to take off towards the end zone and he's throwing it about 80 yards in the air I don't care if we complete play or not yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. No
2: doubt, no doubt. And I'm I'll telling tell you, everybody, look at this shit that's coming. Do something about it.
4: <laughs> Be There's really
1: no better coach that you would rather have a freshman QB coming in like this under than Brian Schottenheimer, in my opinion. Um, I mean, he had, I think he started what three different QBs in the NFL last year. I mean, the guy knows how to knows how to make that work. So. Personally, that's exciting.
0: hmm What, um...
2: Yeah, is, is it still, how many... Is it still the Army All-American game that all the, uh... So many Georgia commits are going to right now? Are they all going to that one still, or...? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, a ton of them. You're going to have, a like... Derrick Brown announcing, Isaac Nauta announcing. I think Brian Burns is going to announce there, too.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, you
2: could have, you know, I mean, they, they talk about it, and then some of them do, some of them don't, and some of them change and want to do it later. But, I mean, you could have them anywhere from three to five guys committing to UTA on national TV at a game. That would be a first. I was yeah, uh, have Nicole Harmon talk about doing it then. Mm-hmm. So he could easily end up doing it then. I mean, he's still scheduled to do a on Saturday, but even, I mean, he's talked about it. Yeah, it'd be nice to, like you said, kind of have that boost of, of uh, publicity, positive publicity at these uh, at these All-Star games finally.
1: Mm-hmm. You get that national, you know, on national TV like that, you get a string, of, a string of guys coming to your school, then signing day looks a lot better with some of these guys that might be on the fence. They know, you know, they know who's who they're going to be playing with if they pick Georgia. Yeah.
2: And not to mention it makes maybe some others that are maybe on the fence or kids, you know, two, three, four years away from signing, mm-hmm. thinking, hey, let me – let me take another look at Georgia. What are these? What are these kids seeing?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But any kind of good publicity like that is—it's always good for the program. So,
2: oh yeah,
1: I love it. Yeah.
2: Well, you're listening to Field Street Farm Radio with your host, the Real Dre. You got Jason Harry Dog with us tonight. Also, Mike Brooks. And uh, Rex Robinson is going to make an effort to to join us again a little later. We were having some issues with him being able to get in on the call here uh, a few minutes ago. Um, but he's going to keep trying, When he I guess, when he gets home. I think he was out and about a little bit ago, so maybe when he gets home, it'll, hopefully it'll go on through. So really, we want to take a look, take a talk, have a chat with him about Georgia football and his back in the na- a national title winner with Georgia kicker on the 1980 team can never talk to too many of those guys that's for sure. Um, and I definitely want to talk to him about uh, Georgia's kickers over the last few years too about you know what what's going on with that and how how are they can improve and things like that. Uh, Speaking
0: of kickers.
2: Hopefully we can get him on, get him on here and and talk to him a little bit.
1: Uh, Speaking of kickers, Dre.
3: Yeah.
1: We share our boy uh, uh, kicking Monday night crap. Lose my mind here. Um, Hunter for the cards. Drew Butler. Drew Butler, he did not have the best outing Monday night. No, what did he get? Two blocks? Or? It was one, but uh, he got hammered by Gruden, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> he got roasted. <laughs> oh
2: man! But, well, was, it, but it was Drew
1: pretty
2: fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> he freaking deserved to be roasted, man.
1: Yeah, he gotta do. He gotta do. I love the guy, but.
2: <laughs> you gotta get that thing off. <laughs> uh, he knows. He knows. Well, maybe that's, if he that's, doesn't that's,
1: work that's out, going
2: back to with, your that's my thing when it comes to talking about Georgia and the offense right now. There's there's a difference in trashing the players and trashing the coaches and just you know and talking about Georgia football. I mean, it is what it is. We're struggling at the quarterback position. Everybody knows that. I'm not going to go out and call Rick and Limer an asshole or say he sucks or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. We're going to support him, but, I mean, I mean, you can still talk about him struggling without mm-hmm. catching
1: him. Absolutely.
2: But that's why I get tired of seeing on a bunch of these boards is just, just absolutely trashing Rick and trashing the players and,
1: and all that. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, your life must suck.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. No doubt. What was it? The uh, Instagram post the other night when they had it was Georgia Athletics posted with I guess it was all of our freshmen that had played this year. And the comments on that alone just were pretty out of control, bashing certain players. And I mean, they deleted the thing. <laughs> they deleted it within ten minutes of putting it up because well, I mean, I would assume because of the comments towards towards our guys, it was. I mean, to me, that's just unexcusable, honestly. <laughs> but you know, you you don't yeah. do anything. You don't do anything to help your program by doing that. And you sure as heck, you know, would think that there are better people out there than that. But yeah, it is what it yeah, is.
2: Exactly. If you if you don't support what's going on, there's there's a way to say it, and there's a way to let people know mm-hmm. without being an asshole. And going on a message board and crying like a little baby that filled the ice cream on the ground isn't going to do anything but make you look like a jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. cares what you say. You're not a high-ranking, high-up booster. You're not a part of the administration. All this BSBS BS talk and all this posting does nothing but make yourself look like a jackass, make everybody have to read through it, and recruits are actually reading that board, that particular board, in terms of watch. So, I mean, the way to do it is to not buy tickets to the game. Mm-hmm. Don't spend your money, and if enough people eventually don't spend their money, we'll see the stadium's half full and we'll know there's something that needs to be done.
3: No.
2: You can say Rick Sox as much as you want to, it ain't going to do Jack Squat. <laughs> <laughs> But
0: uh, make you look like a jackass.
2: Yep. hmm Yep. got I mean, hey, so uh, So Woody Womack from Rivals just posted on Twitter a quote from uh William Poole that I have no leader.
1: Huh. Mm. I can kinda believe that actually.
2: And I think it has the uh, yeah, the AG, AJC post recently. A pool told him that Florida State led after mm-hmm. he went down for the Florida State Miami game.
4: Yeah, he
2: so, loved that visit. And so yeah, he's saying he's, he's telling rivals, he's telling Woody at rivals, you no know, seven minutes ago that he had no leader.
1: Yeah, if you guys remember back, it was that weekend, the Florida State Miami weekend. It was before he went down. He was getting. I mean, he was definitely to twitter about how excited he was about going down there and and checking out that school but you know just another reason in my opinion we got to keep the staff together we really do you know we want to get the big fish they're going to have to be here for a while yeah
2: yeah it may come come down to georgia florida state he may make it interesting but if if it's true it's here then william pool's here
1: yeah i agree absolutely
2: Absolutely. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. Good. Good call. On that. I think that's definitely it. When you you mentioned Burns earlier, is it is everything still trending UGA's way, or who who oh, yeah. who's, who do we need to watch out for in that one Florida State as well? Florida, Florida State. Limits. Yeah. Here's the thing. All the fans always talk about. When you're losing ball games, you're going to lose all the recruits, and that's—I mean—that's just not true. No. You look at Auburn; they had their best recruiting class in the last five years after they went three and nine. Our, our best recruiting class up until well last year, probably—I mean, one of our best recruiting classes in the past few years was after we lost to Central Florida, and everybody called my fire and rig mm-hmm. So I mean, it's just the recruits—they just—they don't take the losses as hard as the fans do. They're they're thinking is hey, they need me. <laughs> <laughs> right. but
1: I can make yeah, them not leave that thing. Mm-hmm. They
2: have to they be do as a solution. Yeah. And they
1: do have the ultimate I mean, they really have the ultimate neutral perspective on a lot of these schools, I mean and what's going on. Um, you know, they're looking at it as I'm checking out all these schools to find out what's the best fit for me. So when they see a team lose, they're not they're not emotionally invested in it like a fan would be. Um, well, even yeah. even the committed guys, it's
2: like it's like we all get a mindset of he's committed to Georgia, so he's like the biggest fan of Georgia in the world. I mean, that's just not necessarily true. He didn't grow up watching mm-hmm. in Georgia. Some of them may not even know a lot of the history of Georgia, you know, like we do. I mean, a lot of them don't follow it as close as we do. And I mean, I mean, the losses are just losses to them. They have played football. They've experienced losses in their life. I mean, you can't name too many recruits at all that won every game they played in. Yeah. Hey, hold on one sec. We got a caller on the line. I want to see if it's our guest. Yes, it is. Forum Radio. Who do we have?
4: Yes, this is Rex.
2: Rex Robinson, welcome aboard.
4: I appreciate it.
2: No problem. Glad to have you on. This is uh, Drayton. Been talking with you on Facebook about coming on with us. Also have uh, Jason and Mike Brooks joining us on the show tonight.
1: Very cool. I'm glad, glad to have you, I Finally you got it worked you.
2: out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rex Robinson, is, uh, Georgia, one of, the, one of the greatest kickers in Georgia history. Actually, at uh, all freshman teams, all SEC, the next three years, and all, multiple All-America teams. Your junior and senior year. Tell us what what was your what was it that got you I guess my first question is is what kind of got you going in the with the soccer style kicker? Did you kind of see the the straight on kicker or style as kind of being a kind of being becoming passe or being a dying breed kind of thing or,
4: or what? Well, you know, a lot of guys that I coach now um get their start in soccer. Um, and a lot of the guys that um, I saw as a kid that were coming into the NFL were soccer players that, that uh, developed a kicking style on their own. And, you know, I'm talking about people like Jan Stenerud and Gary Yapremian and Pete and Charlie Gogolak. And so in the late 60s, um, during a time when I was fairly impressionable, you know that was being discussed on Sundays every year every week you know about these you know weird guys coming over from Europe that were <laughs> taking over kicking and um you know some of them didn't even speak uh very uh very good English um, yeah. but, um but um you know I was uh for whatever reason really um sort of naturally interested in, and sort of gifted in kickball in elementary school of all things and mm-hmm. You know, I noticed the difference then, even of uh, you know people that would try to toe the ball, and um, and or you know some people would want you to bounce it, kind of kind of slow but bouncy, and right. you know if you got it on your instep, that sucker would go. So um, you know, I was I was astute enough even at that age to see the difference, and then you know I would kick uh, footballs. Uh, you know, I mainly played baseball as a kid, and it was only until middle school that I really got full fledged into football. But all during that time, from 8 years old up until 12, 13 years old, I was kicking footballs on my own just for the Mm. fun of it. And uh, So I would watch guys on Sunday and then try to go out and imitate what they were doing. And, you know, I could kick it a long way, but I just never quite knew where it was going uh, until I got to be probably a junior in high school. Then I uh, got some help and and, uh, actually uh, Peter Rejeki, who was a, a Georgia kicker um in the late sixties, maybe nineteen seventy, seventy one was was his last year. And he showed the, the old step step back three go across two scenario. And mm-hmm. you know, that was enough to put me in a spot to allow me to be more consistent in my approach and make better uh consistent contact. And so it made a huge difference my junior and senior years uh at Marietta. So right. um uh You know, I really chose soccer style because when you got a hold of it, it went a lot further. And then Mm -hmm. it was just a matter of it, uh, of of refining it to where you could be consistent with it. Right. And
2: what was it about Georgia that that made you choose the dogs coming out of high school?
4: Well, you know, I I wasn't extremely heavily recruited. I You know, I had – Quite a few small schools, but then, in terms of uh Division one schools um Memphis State back then is Memphis now, but Memphis State probably recruited me heavier than any anyone um Georgia Tech was probably number two mm-hmm. um, but you know, I visited both of those places, you know um and I swear it was like uh Memphis State was too far, Georgia Tech was too close um, and between that and um Georgia having won the SEC championship game um or the one SEC championship in seventy six uh-huh. and I was at a lot of those games uh in seventy six and it made a huge impression. Um so I I just enjoyed it. Um it was it, it was a comfortable distance away, but not so far that my folks couldn't come watch me play. So it just it just fit. It just really fit. Right. And
2: what about Coach Dooley? Was he uh did he play a, a big role in it as
4: well? Or Yes, um, because, um, again, the, the other coach at Georgia Tech was Pepper Rogers, and I don't know how much you know about Pepper Rogers, but he was really the antithesis of, of Vince Dooley. He was very progressive. He was kind of a West Coast guy in terms of his attitude and how he handled the team, um, and quite a colorful character. Um, I got to know him a little bit after uh, college, um but um you know coach Dooley was very traditional very uh disciplined both himself and he demanded that of us and so it was a completely different environment at Georgia than it was at Georgia Tech and that really played a huge part in what I uh felt comfortable with mm-hmm. talking
2: with uh Rex Robinson forward Georgia kicker
3: okay.
2: now Rex you've gone on you've gone into a lot of businesses and ventures now of course uh, uh post post college kind of, kind of tell us a little bit about what you've uh what you've gotten into now
4: well um i was in the uh sporting goods business for quite a while um outside sales with a, a company in powder springs near where i live and so i would travel around mostly metro atlanta uh going to high schools and some uh, youth organizations, things like that, and and a few small colleges like Reinhardt was a customer for a while. And during that time, it was, um, you know, I started there in 2003, and, you know, it wasn't too long after that that social media became a thing. And um, so within Mm -hmm. the next few years, I got more and more involved in that from a sales standpoint and really wanting to be connected with Georgia people And, um, so I learned a lot and, uh, started, um, getting a lot of, uh, Facebook friends that are, are strictly Georgia fans that I may or may not ever meet. Uh, but that's, that's totally cool with me. Um, I'm still always open to that. Um, and what I would notice is I would always, when I would get a request, I'd always look, you know, where are they from? Do we have any mutual friends? Um. Or if we don't have mutual friends, if it's not a Marietta connection where I'm from, is there a Georgia connection? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's easy to figure that out. Sometimes it's not so easy. But uh, that's what I look for. And then the next step I did a lot was, you know, looking, you know, where they're from, uh, what kind of work they did. And I would look at their business Facebook pages at their work. And some of them were really good. Some of them were just awful. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, and also my own experience at Pro Sports I knew what a struggle it was for them to to do social media consistently well. And so I just developed an interest and about a year ago started uh, a business called Social Integrations um because what I had found is um a lot of people have all the pieces uh you know in terms of their social media but they don't know how to work them together in a kind of a cohesive uh effort. So um it's gone well um you know I've got about a, i've had up up to eight customers uh this past year okay. uh, right now i got a, a good core group of about five or six and um i'm mostly focused on sports related stuff surprisingly <laughs> enough
3: um
4: or real estate related stuff because i was in the real estate acquisition business for a long time and so i feel like i can sort of do that justice um in terms of finding. Information and articles and things of that nature that would matter to a real estate either an agent um, or a potential seller or buyer. So um, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, now let you can tell
2: us later too, where where can everybody check out your you know, like website or you you know ch- have them check you on Facebook or where can they reach you? At?
4: Well, I mean, I I do have a a Facebook page for social integrations and um but then, you know, you, you know, I'm on uh Facebook and then I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my personal is The Total Kicker. Um and I, that's the name that I coach kickers under. Um, okay. I don't consider myself to be The Total Kicker, but but <laughs> I try to I try to coach I try to coach The Total Kicker uh, you know, all aspects of uh kicking technique working out the mental side of things and all those different things that, that guys are going to come up against. So that's the reason I named it that. And then I'm also on Twitter with social integrations as well. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so there's lots of different ways, uh, to do that, but, uh, yeah, I'd welcome any, any, uh, interest or any, just even being connected on Facebook is is great.
2: Okay. Yeah, definitely check out on that. And now as far as the, the, the total kicker side now, how many how many kids are you working with on uh with, with their place kicking?
4: well you know i started that in 1996 i had just moved back to marietta and uh, met some guys that 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 were at marietta high school where i graduated and um about midsummer and you know they had been to some camps and they were sort of expressing frustration that they uh, had paid out a lot of money and really didn't feel like they got a lot of personal instruction and, um, so I started thinking, well, maybe that's something I could do, you know, small groups, um, occasionally maybe private instruction. And, um, over the years, it's really kind of flipped to where it's more private instruction. And then occasionally I'll have a few guys like right now, I have some 10th graders that are, uh, really pretty good. And over time I will be putting those guys together to compete against each other, mm-hmm. um, at least two of them are um in Cobb County and um one is from Macon and so um they come from all over I'm pretty I'm pretty fortunate I feel I feel fortunate that they'll they'll come um pretty great distances if they're serious and really want to work and you know I've had many from from Macon um even had a kid from Jessup come up the past year year and a half uh uh got a guy over in Evans near Augusta um, okay. so it's been cool. Um, uh, and you know, work you know, in, anywhere from middle school on up, um, probably 12, 13 on up younger mm. than that. I just want them to have fun and play soccer and, and just kick footballs for fun. I don't want it to be too, um, regimented or, or drudgery for them at that point. I want them to do it because they want to do it, you know, so, right. um, but um I enjoy it and you know and, and you know typically anywhere from 15 to 20 guys a year and that's mostly okay. in the uh in the summer but I have you know probably 6 or 8 that I'll see year round because the kicking camp circuit has become so much a part of their recruitment that they all want to stay on point for those camps that happen every 90 to 120 days mm-hmm. all year round so um I sort of had to adjust my thinking because back in the beginning I just wanted to make sure they were on point for summer and fall. Um, but now, right. you know, there are big uh, camps down in Florida in January that tons of guys will go to um, because they're wanting to be seen and hopefully be recruited. So, yeah. um, you know, the guys really don't take much time off, and I hate that, but it's just <laughs> the
1: way it is. Football is year-round nowadays, isn't it, Rick? It Absolutely. is. Absolutely.
4: You know. Well, You know, I, I've always, you know, the, y'all, you hear people talk about uh, specializing and, you know, you, you hear that mostly about probably baseball, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of travel ball. You know, my experience with it is club soccer because the kickers, a lot of the kickers that I work with or have worked with play soccer and some of them are year round. And so in the fall, they're doing the normal football practice that you might expect. But then on probably two of those days, like Tuesday and Thursday, they're going to soccer practice after that, and then they have uh tournaments Saturdays and Sundays, so they're doing something seven days a week, and I hate it um <laughs> you, know, you know, I've seen guys you know have have stress injuries or overuse mm-hmm. injuries because of that, and uh so yeah, it's no good, it's no good oh, yeah. but uh, absolutely sometimes sometimes they have to learn on their own right knee injuries are
1: one of the most prevalent injuries I would think in soccer um I know there was a lot of research done over the years about injury prevention and it all started from women's soccer and men's soccer um in the u s that was um you know they've done a ton of research out west obviously on that, and it's mm-hmm. kind of transitioned into the football world but um always find that to be a fascinating topic
4: well, you know it's it could be anything from like um, I had a kid that graduated from St. Pius last year, and he's actually at Georgia State. He's not starting at this point, but he has a chance to to work his way into it down the road. Um, but uh, he developed a um, stress fracture in his lower leg, and that came about not not so much. It's the same problem, but a little bit different. Uh, Example of it, here he was working out, doing weight training at school, practicing at, uh, football at school, but then he had a personal trainer on the side. So, mm-hmm. again, he wasn't getting any rest. He was doing a pretty high-level uh, working out with this uh, uh, personal trainer, and he, ba- he broke his leg, or developed a stress fracture in his lower leg, and so he... Mm-hmm. He missed his. He missed half of his junior season because of that. So, mm, wow. um, it's it's not cool. No. So, but but you know they're competitive. They want to look for that edge. You know I guess. But uh, you know the human body, particularly a teenager, the human body can only take so much. Right. Because you know, it's, 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 well, it's changing and it's growing.
2: Mm-hmm. Because of the growth of the body too, you got to take mm-hmm. that into consideration.
4: Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Right. Tell me this. As far as Georgia's kickers, one thing that's kind of bothered me the past, at least the last, what I guess three or so kickers. I'm talking about you know maybe maybe two a little bit, but uh, Blair Walsh and and now Marshall Morgan. They seem to they seem to almost lose confidence the longer they're on campus. Is there something that you kind of see that that there maybe that that Georgia's not doing right as far as their the the Special teams or kickers are concerned, or is it just just one of those things where you're just getting a bad a bad bad mojo? I guess I don't I don't know. Um,
4: I'm a little bit familiar with each one of those situations, and they're and they're all a little different. Um, uh, um Brandon, you know, hurt himself doing onside kicks in practice one day, and. Uh, That that affected him for a while. Um, I heard uh, late in the year, the the year that Blair Walsh struggled, that he initially had kind of a hamstring pull and that it affected him uh, a little bit. But then after a few misses that were sort of a physical thing, then it became a mental thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part part of that was that... um, he, I think he got it in, in his mind that he wanted. He, he was uh, almost preoccupied about not getting a, a kick blocked, so he was going way too fast. And okay, that was only discovered um, on film by when he got drafted by the – well, actually, when the, the Vikings coach was looking at his film to consider drafting him, mm-hmm. uh, he noticed and, and timed him. And so he was able to slow him down. And, um, and that's really a a mantra that I have with the guys that I coach when anything goes wrong. And this is true really almost anything, anything athletic is Mm -hmm. when something's going wrong, slow it down until you figure out what's happening. Then you can fix it and slowly add the speed or the power back, but you can't adjust when you're going like a bat out of hell, right? You can't, you can't, you can't assess what's happening and fix it when you're going, you know, as hard as you can. You've got to back off and and really sort of uh, get the feel of it and then add all that back. So uh, I try to, you know, typically, you know, I don't see guys forever, you know. I mean, the guys that I coached in high school, I've got, you know, probably a half a dozen of them that are playing college ball right now. But I, I don't always see those guys again. Um mm-hmm. You know or coach them every off offseason uh, although I would welcome that um, I don't it doesn't always happen so I always try to uh, prepare them to be their own coach uh, because that's typically how it ends up uh, right you know m- most colleges don't have a, a kicking coach um, and so it, it's important for them to be able to um, be self-aware and figure it out and and pretty quickly <laughs> Yeah. Um, before they before they get into a rut. Greg, so
1: brings me to a quick question I was wanting to ask you, but I've heard Coach Rick speak on his you know, his kicking situation, you know, quite a few times over the years. And one of the things he always he always says is he kind of treats them like golfers in a sense. He sure. you know, he he backs off a little bit and kinda of lets them lets them coach up themselves, but he he doesn't have a a regimented practice, if you will, for those kickers to go through. He lets them do what they kind of do what they will on the practice field. Yes, yes. Um, and you know that in a sense, it is kind of like a golfer. You want to tweak your tweak your swing a little bit and make sure you're you're in the right mindset before you go out there to play. And that's kind of the stance he's taking on it. But then, I believe this year we kind of we kind of put some, um, I guess some some of that regiment back into their schedule a little bit. To um, help them out in any way they can, but what are your thoughts on the backed off
4: approach versus the having that coach approach or that schedule um, for a kicker? Well, see, I haven't even heard those details that you're talking about. I did. I've known for a while that that they do sort of do their own thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they go out early and stretch and kick a little bit, and and special teams is usually the very first period. And so they'll go through all that and and get that taken care of. And then all of a sudden, the kickers are on their own. And so they have a lot of free time. And uh, it really depends on the guys um, as to how productive they are. Um, You know, they, um, you know, I've heard stories through, you know, some of those guys that I've gotten to know that, you know, uh, some details of, of some of the guys that are really hard workers and some that aren't. Um, or some that need a lot of work to stay uh sharp and some that don't um I'll give you the perfect example um and I won't name all the names cuz I don't want to you know be negative or anything but yeah. back in back in the beginning when Billy Bennett was with the guy mm-hmm. um you know that was in the, in the very beginning with coach Rick you know he'd been I guess Billy had been here a year before coach Rick got here and uh so Billy you know, had a kind of a routine, and his was fairly laid back. Um, he worked hard in a lot of different ways, but in terms of kicking a lot of kicks every week, he really did not. Well, in that se- hit by his senior year, there were some young guys around. Uh, uh, Andy Bailey was one. Brandon Kato was one. They were both freshmen that that se- his senior year, mm-hmm. and those guys probably needed more. Structure and reps than Billy did, but they followed Billy's lead,
0: and gotcha. so those
4: guys struggled initially. Um, Andy more than uh, Brandon,
2: right. but right.
4: but they both weren't quite right that first year. Um, so uh, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Is you know whoever the upper classmen are. You know whatever their uh, routine is, you know to a certain extent, unless it's a really strong personality coming in as a freshman, you know, uh, and they're going to do their own thing, you know. Those those young guys are normally going to follow suit with whatever that senior's doing, and that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I like the idea of them being a little more structured. It doesn't mean they have to kick a hundred footballs um, every day. In fact, that's not good. Um, but to have a little bit of structure and accountability is probably a really good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for answering that in such detail. That's great. Is, uh, but you do you do think of them? You know, I guess, you know, you always hear if you're if you're watching football on TV or whatever, kickers are quote unquote head cases or whatever it may be, whatever the term they use, and. And There's a lot of them. Yeah, they're, they're all yeah, but they're all different. <laughs> they're all different. You know, they they've got yeah, to have yeah. what works for them. If it's working, you know, stick to it. Let's let's keep doing it. If it's not working, they need some work. Put the work in. Um, yeah. And you get a guy like Billy, you know, back off a little bit. Let him do his thing.
4: Right. So they're, uh well, they're He was great. I mean, leader. he was great. So you know, it yep. Billy was great. So it worked for him. You know. Yeah. Uh, but those young guys. know those young guys that are coming in and and they're just really adjusting to kicking off the ground they need more they need more reps Um, Mm -hmm. so um, I think that was really what happened there but um, yeah I mean there's there's all kind of uh, terms thrown around by either broadcasters or position football players that are now in Mm -hmm. broadcasting and very few of them are complimentary Um, (laughs) but it it is a little bit unfair. Uh, because, like you say, they are individuals. Not all of them. I mean, I'll get. I mean, to me, uh, Brand. Oh, well, Billy. Billy was different, but he was a good different. But Brandon mm-hmm. Coutu, Blair Walsh, and Marshall Morgan are basically the same guy. Mm-hmm. They're they're all very similar in terms of their personality. They're they're very serious, um, um clean cut um mm-hmm. just good guys. Um and so uh I think that's the kind of guy that they're looking for that that is not a head case. Um and every kicker goes through stuff, you know, from time mm-hmm. to time. It's just a matter of can you recover. Um I was very fortunate the, the worst game I ever had was a, a bowl game. So it was the last game of the year. I had the whole off season to mm-hmm. recover but I can't imagine having a, a horrific game mid-season. And, um, well, you know, I say that. You know, I, I did I did start out not so great in 79 um, and had to really get it together. But, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you have to, the old cliche of having a short memory and all those things, mm-hmm. you know, um, you – and it was so much easier then because there was – all I had to do was not read the paper to avoid any kind of negative <laughs> stuff. You know, now, um, I mean, it's in your face. Um, if you're on any kind of social media, you're going to hear from fans talking trash about you or maybe even sending you a death threat, you know, yeah. if you really mm-hmm. messed up. So um, it's it's – I'm so glad that I did not have to deal with that. It's pretty bad. Yeah, and I've and I've witnessed a lot of it, particularly on Twitter. That was way back, like, uh, 2009 and 2010. I actually got off Twitter for a while because it was just, um, its I, horrible. I didn't see, I didn't see yeah. the value. I didn't see the value for me personally. Um, at that time, it was strictly personal. It wasn't for business so much. Right. Um, and I witnessed a lot of uh, Georgia fans abusing uh, players, and it wasn't cool, so. No. Yeah. We we had a conversation about that
1: twenty minutes ago before you got on about some okay. of the stuff that we've seen um right. over the you know, over the course of following Georgia football and this day right. and age you they come crawling out of the woodwork when stuff isn't going right. Um and it's you know, they, they gotta understand that it does nobody any good to get on there and, and bash a player, bash a coach, whatever. it, it doesn't help the program, it doesn't doesn't help our image it doesn't help with anything um yeah. and it is it is pretty sickening. well
2: we know billy had to go sing and, and play the guitar too a lot now so that's working that's out. right, of <laughs> right. right <now. laughs> exactly
4: exactly uh, it's good to have more than one talent and he, he definitely mm-hmm. has more than one talent
2: definitely. oh yeah um uh, you know uh mike just mentioned you know you always hear the the announcers kind of bashing on kickers but you were you were a, a top-notch baseball player as well in high school, right?
4: Well, I wouldn't say I was top-notch, but I, you know, um, growing up, like I was mentioning earlier, it was my first love. And uh-huh. uh, um, in seventh grade, uh, our seventh grade PE coach was the varsity wrestling coach at the high school. And mm-hmm. so during the winter, when it was bad weather outside, he would take us into the gym and put us on the stage up in the gym, and we would wrestle. He was looking for future wrestlers for his program, and uh, uh, one day I was—you uh, know—I was a decent-sized kid for my age, and uh, there was a kid—the only really the only kid in the uh, in the class that was about my size was actually a guy that was um, more physically gifted than mentally. So he had actually <laughs> failed a couple of grades, okay. and so okay. he was—he was, he was very—he was very developed and strong. Um, and, but we were about the same weight, So we wrestled. Well, he, he got me down, took my right wrist and broke my right elbow, just oh, uh, dis- oh, broke and dislocated my right elbow, which was my throwing arm. And, um, it sort of derailed my, you know, I didn't really have that many aspirations for, for baseball. I just enjoyed it. But oh, I was a pitcher and, and, uh, first baseman. And, um, so I, I never was able to, Straighten my arm out again. You know, I did a lot of rehab and everything, but it just never happened. But what that did is it got me in back into football the very next year, and yeah. uh, um, I had a lot of encouragement uh, that year um, to to uh, really keep it going. And uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, thinking about what I'm going to say this weekend at the uh, thing in Florida, and that's part of what I want to talk about is the people along the way that even by just one statement encouraged me to stay on that path of kicking footballs and uh uh really helped me a lot. So
2: mm-hmm.
4: absolutely. That's right. you're now uh you and Richard Seymour are the Georgia
2: inductees into the Georgia Florida Hall of Fame, right?
4: Exactly. And I tell you it was a really it was a shock because you know, I never really had a, a moment uh, in a in a Georgia Florida game, um like a Baluda Scott, or you know kind of game when <laughs> kick, you know. Um. Uh, so I, you know, when they would talk about the Georgia Florida Hall of Fame, I just thought, okay, well, that's cool, but I, I, that's not something I'll ever hear about or, or be a part of, and and, it's, and that's okay. But you know, I got a, I got an email a couple of months ago, and and uh, I was I was really floored. So uh, it's very nice, and the closer it gets, I learn I'm learning more and more about what's actually going to be happening this weekend. It's really cool, so uh, it's gonna be nice.
2: That's awesome. Congratulations on that.
4: Great. Absolutely. Uh,
2: now, obviously I guess, you know, with it being Georgia, Florida wheat, you know, you kinda alluded to it just now, but I'm gonna guess that nineteen eighty was probably your favorite Jacksonville memory, but it was there what 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 comes in second place?
0: When you mention, when you um,
2: Jacksonville.
4: Well, uh, as as fate would have it uh i had somebody a- ask me somebody else asked me that in a similar way um uh in seventy nine i actually um broke a couple of records and it um one was the actually the scoring record for georgia and then the other was um uh, consecutive extra points okay and um or maybe I think that's right see somebody else told me about this do you, do you know of Patrick Garvin um, uh, written several several Georgia books uh, kind of a Georgia mm-hmm. historian um, and uh, so anyway he he um, had mentioned that to me and, and uh, so yeah I mean I, I knew about the extra point uh, the consecutive extra points because Alan Levitt had had the previous record so I, I sort of knew that was around there um, so those were a couple of cool things that happened down there. You know, and, you know, we, we lost my freshman year. Of course, we lost almost everybody my freshman year. <laughs>
2: um,
4: but, uh, you know, that was the only loss to Florida. And um, then um, 78 was kind of close. And I, I think I had maybe one field goal. And mm. I think we won 24-22. But, again, it wasn't any kind of last-second thing or anything like that. Mm. Um so it is really it was really the atmosphere the thing about the, the that game back then is that it, it really of course the t- the uh, environment was different because the tenor was different you know we 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 dominated the series so heavily that it was it was really better almost better than a home game
3: mm-hmm. uh
4: the excitement around it um was was different than a home game um and Jacksonville being a huge Georgia um city um it, it just really seemed like it wasn't a neutral site it really it really seemed like a Georgia thing mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> so it, it that was really the thing the, the the it was electric the practices that whole week it was a different feeling
3: all mm-hmm. week long
4: and uh so uh but yeah, in in ending the way it did in 1980 was was definitely the best um, because it meant so much. Um, but uh, but just just the atmosphere and and, and uh, I don't want to say the pageantry. That sounds kind of lame, but, but it's just different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pageantry of when you drive in and all the drunk fans are out there in the parking lot and waving <laughs> and whatever. Yeah, that's, that's great. That does get you so, fired up, no lie. Yeah.
2: So what do you say to, you know, I, there's a lot of talk, of, especially the Georgia side now where uh, they talk about wanting to, to change locations, alternate between Jacksonville and Atlanta, or even going home and home. Are you kind of a, the same? I always say kind of like what you were saying that, you know, Florida was one that was wanting to move it back in the 70s and 80s. So, I mean,
3: yeah.
2: you know, win more games and, and people won't be complaining as much. Are you kind of – I kind of enjoy the pageant. Of course, I'm only – like I I've said before, I'm only an hour away, so I kind of enjoy it right being so close and everything. But um, are you, you kind of of the mindset of, of maintaining that neutral side or, or staying in Jacksonville?
4: Um, I th- yeah, I do th- definitely think that if we um, just win more games, which, you know, to me in the last five years or so, we've we've really sort of – uh, won enough to where it shouldn't be in, in anybody's head. Um, last year was very disappointing. Not that they lost, but the way they lost, mm-hmm. uh, losing was ba- losing was bad enough. But the way they lost was just, you know, unbelievable. But um, you know, I, I do think that uh, if if they're just focused and and uh, win more games, then then it should stay there. Now the other the alternative that I would like okay, would be the Jacksonville Atlanta scenario versus home and home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, that way, it would still maintain some uh, level of uniqueness. You know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be just any other game. It it would still have that uniqueness of a neutral site.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I agree too. Especially with us getting a new a new stadium in Atlanta, that would be something that we could kind of christen with the new stadium, maybe. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: Um, Rex, going back to, to the 1980 season, when was and you probably get asked this a lot, but when was it you guys – when did you kind of feel that that season, that team was going to be special?
4: Well, I actually, for whatever reason uh, – had a diary that summer and fall, and um, a guy named Alan Truex that was a reporter for the Atlanta Journal. Uh, after the season, sort of took took excerpts of my uh, my my journal or whatever um, di- diary and and created a series of I want to say three or four Sunday editions in the Atlanta paper, um, and he called it that championship season and um the the thing that i remembered uh the earliest i mean off season workouts were pretty good were really good mm-hmm. um you know back in january february but um it was really fall practice uh summer practice when we got there and there was just a different level of uh, intensity and and energy and even just the way we <laughs> did calisthenics and mm-hmm. um it just it just was clicking and um, um, I really believe that between uh, the guys that I came through with, the the guys that were freshmen of '77 when we went five and six, mm-hmm. when we when we really they because you know I'm a kicker I'm not you know <laughs> construed I'm not construed as a leader you know I'm not getting up in front of the group and yelling and and whatever but the uh-huh. guys that were leaders like Frank Ross and Chris Welton and Scott Warner and Tim Morrison and Jeff Harper um Nat Hudson it was an extremely strong group of seniors that from uh winter workouts through summer and into the fall you know you know they didn't put up with any stuff and right. <laughs> um and there were enough other guys that just fell in line you know doing what they you know doing their job Whatever that was, doing their job. Um, that it was, it you know, and then obviously Herschel, you know, mm-hmm. was a small, kid, you know, peg in that overall thing. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you know, it's just a perfect combination of, you know, great senior leadership, enough talent at certain positions, and then the you know freshman f- phenom that had a great attitude and not arrogant. And, you know, so the chemistry wasn't altered because of him. You know, he fell Mm -hmm. in line too and just did his thing. And so, um, you know, I I have no idea why. But, uh, you know, the two teams after us were actually much more talented because they had recruited more guys to be with Herschel. You know, guys wanted Mm -hmm. to play with Herschel. Mm -hmm. So 81 and 82 were much better teams talent wise but they ended up you know losing the game here and Mm -hmm. there so it it just it wasn't the same so um, it was a great three-year run uh, or four year actually you know after even after after Herschel was gone Um, but um, you know it was just a a unique group that um, kind of refused to lose and I hate that cliche but it was kind of that way (laughs) i tell you, Frank's a good guy, isn't he, Ross? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were roommates two years, um, freshman, sophomore years. Uh, oh, wow. They uh, they had this great system. Um, it's called alphabetical. And so, R-O-B-I-N and then R-O-S, you know, we ended up being roommates, and we could not have been any different, any more different. <laughs> um, but it worked out well. You know, he I still talk to him probably as much as anybody, um, except some of the other kickers. And, snappers and punters you know we still a pretty tight group but uh, yeah
2: that's what i was, I was going to ask there's quite a lineage of, of georgia kickers to be honest is that kind of a like i was, I was just going to ask you about that if, if there was a kind of a camaraderie or or you know sense of you know friendship or, or connection with the georgia kickers over the years
4: i, I do think so um Probably not. To, not like you know. We don't have kicker reunions or anything like that. Um, so <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad idea. But yeah. uh, that'd be kind of cool. But um, um, but just just a I guess a an unspoken respect and understanding. You know of what it means. You know we all we all sort of know the good, bad, and the ugly of what that means to uh-huh. be a kicker. And uh, um, you know, it really blew my mind. You know, uh, John Casey, the coach. Uh, had as much of an impact on me as anybody. Um, and then, lo and behold, his son, who was probably, you know, between 8 and 11 at the mm-hmm. time I was over there, something like that, and um, maybe 8, and 12, 8 to 12 maybe, no mm-hmm. clue that he had any interest in kicking. And it really sort of uh, germinated when, when Kevin Butler was there. And he would right. go out and uh, and watch Kevin kick. And, um, in fact, he told me one time that if you look at uh, pictures of Kevin Butler and then pictures of him kicking, it's the exact same thing, except, you know, obviously opposite, because uh, John was left-footed. Right. He said, you know, particularly early on, they were like mirror images of each other in the way they did things. So, um, I always thought that was pretty cool but it's also ironic because coach Casey really did not like kickers. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean he didn't hate us but um he tolerated us, you know. And uh but uh for, for whatever reason he and I had a special relationship um and uh he got me involved in in distance running to stay in better shape during the off season and during the 78 season We'd actually go through practice, the whole practice, and, you know, kicking, you know, reg- you know, the team would do their thing. We would all sprint at the end. Then Coach Casey and I would go change, and we'd go jog through Athens. After okay. Practice, two or three, four miles. Um, so, and we do like two or three, uh, usually two times a week, early uh-huh. in the week. Um, so it was kind of a unique thing. Um, but uh, he helped me a lot. And just it's just really really ironic that his son ended up being a really really great kicker.
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: that's
2: awesome.
4: Uh, that is cool. How about uh, current season?
2: What do you what do you feel like the dogs need to do to kind of turn things around a little bit?
4: Well, you know, I think that what happens every single year is that um, expectations run rampant. Um, sometimes there are reasons to believe it. Sometimes I think that it's totally uh, unfounded, you know, to have national championship aspirations. Um, you know, there's so many fans that say, hey, this has the potential to be a special team. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't predict a special team uh, because if, it, if it's predictable, then it's not special. That's been my attitude here the last few years. You know, you can't every off season saying, hey, this could be special. No, that so, you know, the special teams, the special team that comes ab- about, you have no idea, mm-hmm. and 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 it's something that happens quietly within the, the locker room or whatever. It's not something that you know happens on the blogs or um, message boards or the recruiting sites. You know all that junk. And so, mm-hmm. um, but but for the people that are so upset now and have been for three weeks. Um, yeah, there were lots of people that were talking about national championship in this summer, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that could be because we didn't even know who our quarterback was going to be. Right. And right. I mean, a lot of people thought they did, um, but they were wrong. Right. Um. And uh, and at this point, and I'm I have a film I have to talk about this this weekend, uh, particularly on. Um. I'm actually doing an interview tomorrow that'll be aired in the CBS pregame show. Um, oh cool and I, I, I don't know I just found out I got, I got that call today that's what I'm talking about as far as things are happening every day that are unexpected <laughs> um, and you know I'm afraid they're going to ask me that same question about what you know what's up with this team and so uh-huh. I'm thinking about it and um, you know it, it could go either way um, they could really uh, galvanize and, and finish strong which coach Rick has done before in 07 right. Um. And or it could go sideways, and it just totally depends on those guys in the locker room. I don't believe that the coaches are doing anything different, um, but you know, it has. At some point, it has to come down to the guys,
1: right? And
4: um, and whether or not there are enough guys in the room that can can move them in a particular direction. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think it really hurts. I think there's a bigger drop-off between Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb than now. No, There's a bigger drop-off between Nick Chubb and Sonny Michel. As talented Mm -hmm. as he is, he's just a different kind of guy, and he was really in the perfect spot with Nick Chubb being the the main guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, the offensive line needs to get it together. Um, Because even when Nick was running and healthy, he was – uh, make a lot of it on his own.
3: Yeah.
2: Um,
4: so. Um, I think that's a key there. You know, we we lost
1: Boss Andrews, our everything yeah. center this year. And, I mean, that was the leader of the offensive line for a couple yeah. of years. You can't yeah. just replace that. I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you, you saw the passion and the fire in his eyes last year against, I think it was against Auburn, and we had the the fourth down play that the offensive line just drove the guys into the end zone, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that quality is not something that everybody has. Um, well, I he's
4: obviously a special a guy. guy. He's mm-hmm. obviously a special guy to be uh, starting for the Patriots.
3: Right. Oh, yeah. That's, just, that's Absolutely.
4: just unheard of. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure you can replace that. he uh, nah, can uh, If at all. So.
3: Um, that might be the
4: that might be the key thing. of The whole thing is that mm-hmm. you know, because I knew he was a big deal last year because he was doing a lot of the stuff to take pressure off of Hudson Mason in, yep. in terms mm-hmm. of calling uh, protections and and everything. So um, you know, he was he was almost the quarterback versus Hudson Mason. You know, he absolutely took a lot bigger role than I think a lot of people know mm-hmm. or understand.
2: Completely and, agree.
4: But uh,
1: um, when Bill uh, Belichick comes to pro day, to watch one guy
4: and he's your mm-hmm. center, he got something.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: They got right. something. Hey, well, you can say whatever you want about Bill Belichick and or the Patriots. They might be uh, cheaters on one level, but they're mm-hmm. better than everybody else anyway. Um, right. <laughs> um, I mean, even – Thomas Dimitrov, I think, tries to implement some of the stuff they did up there, and he's just not as good at it, or he wasn't (laughs) as good at it. Um, You know, finding the the hidden gem, you know, know, we don't – we need a Julian Edelman, but we don't have a Julian Edelman. Um, But, um, you know, that's just one example. You know, Boss boss Andrews is just another example, just Mm – a little thing, but it makes a big difference.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Well, Rex, what are your
2: what are your thoughts about the game? What do you what do you, you think, Georgie, can can get things going with this bye week? Maybe change a couple things up.
4: Well, I mean, I've, I've experienced enough um, surprise games, you know, where we weren't supposed to win but we did. That I I've, I always believe that it's possible. Um, but again, it it depends on those guys, you know, and um, so yeah, anything's possible, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I, I I'm not one of those that always um, uh, thinking national championship or SEC championship, but week to week, you know, I'm I'm sort of uh, the mindset of a, of a coach Dooley, which is really kind of negative thinking about all the things, all the reasons why we have to work on this, this, and this, or else we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. But I, I like coming more from that angle than so many people that say, okay, we're going to beat Louisiana Monroe and then Vanderbilt, and um, and then if we can get by South Carolina, which, you know, everybody you know quit, always questions that. And mm-hmm. that turned out to be not a problem. So all of a sudden people lost their minds. thinking, oh, my God, this is it. And it wasn't because none of those teams were very good. And I think we got a false sense of um, who we were. And, you know, at that point anyway, we were pretty good. But now we've played a couple of really several good defensive teams. And, And overall, Alabama and Tennessee are pretty doggone good. And, uh, hopefully the fact that that was such a, a decent game last week that people will chill a little bit on losing Tennessee because Tennessee's is pretty good. We, we, we should have lost to them last year. Mm-hmm. You know, if if they don't fumble in the end zone and we fall on it, we don't win that game. I don't think because we didn't stop their quarterback all game last year, even up to the end. But, um, so, you know, I think Tennessee turned a corner, but, um, Anyway, to truly answer your question, I mean, I think anything's possible. I think that right. um, you know it may turn out that that Grayson is a streaky guy, so if he gets hot Saturday, who knows what's possible um, yep. uh so I think our defense will 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 be good um obviously, they're playing well offensively, even with the second string guy um. Mm-hmm. But I think I think our defense is pretty pretty good, um, so I'm hoping that uh, it'll they'll keep us close where we can you know maybe have a break here and there and, and uh, have a chance to win. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and you have to hope those kids that were there last year and faced that you know that like you said earlier, kind of that unbelievable loss last year. They have a very that bad should
4: be a that should be a bitter pill. Yeah, no doubt about very,
2: it. Very bad taste in their mouth after last year to, to yeah. lose a game like that. Um yeah. Well, Rex, I, man, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We we are pretty much out of time right now, but um, I, I do I truly appreciate you coming on with us, and, and really would you know, anytime you want to come on, you know, I w- we would love to to sit here and talk talk football, talk Georgia football, talk. We can talk baseball too, man. We, <laughs> I
3: don't
2: <laughs> mind that at all.
4: Absolutely. Uh, that sounds good. I appreciate it.
2: Appreciate it. And uh and again real quick, uh where can everybody where can you be reached at for your business or uh or your your personal Facebook or Twitter?
4: Well, uh again it's um uh social integrations is the, the business. Uh that's my primary thing. Um Total Kicker is my um coaching Aspect and I actually do have a website for that it's called TotalKicker.com. dot com and it's just informational primarily uh just sort of my philosophy on things and some of the guys I've worked with and testimonials and whatever um but um you know my email is Rex robinson five at gmail dot com so I'd um, um, love to talk to anybody
1: about anything. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. right. so you on uh are you on coached up or anything like that? Any of those websites?
4: You know, I I tried coach up coach up um, uh-huh. didn't quite work for me because there when you when you look for a uh, a football coach per se there there's no mm-hmm. at least the time that I was at the time that I was involved with it there was no breaking out kicking coach so right. people were searching uh, football coaches and I was getting a lot of inquiries about non-kickers, uh, right. or, or, or I was getting notifications of somebody that was looking for a coach in my area, and it was a quarterback, and you know right. things like that. So it wasn't quite right for me, but um, you know, I, I tried to at least uh, get some exposure um, on Facebook and LinkedIn a little bit um, uh, about that side of things as well. Uh, good deal, and, and, then, and then definitely Twitter. My personal Twitter account really sort of focuses on that. All right.
3: Oh,
2: and I, we did have one question on the uh, on the chat room um, asking about when is Marietta High going to get the football program going back strong again?
4: Well, I tell you, that's a tough one because um, the circumstances that have, have developed in Marietta, um, they've gotten rid of a lot of the multifamily housing that generated a lot of athletes over the years mm-hmm. and they, they've not redeveloped those areas for those same families to stay and so those those families have moved out into the county and uh, some some of them out, out of the county uh to find affordable housing for themselves and so you know it could be uh that, that the city of Marietta has sort of shot itself in the foot by eliminating affordable housing within the city for kids that would go to the city schools. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of an uphill climb to, uh, uh, to to rebuild it. Now, a lot of coaches that come into particular programs, they, if they'll build a, a, an attractive enough uh, scenario, the kids that do move into uh, Cobb County will consider Marietta. Um, and I'm talking about just really anybody. um of any of any ethnic or uh social standing mm-hmm. they'll attract kids you know to come into that area uh, but it's just very limited in terms of uh guys that that I grew up with and whose families are still in you know we're in the city limits of Marietta uh they don't have the types of opportunities for for affordable housing that were there five ten years ago, so mm-hmm. it's very tough it's very tough, okay. All right. Now, how many folks we, typically listen to y'all?
2: Uh, we get anywhere from about ninety to a hundred, and well, we've had about two two fifty for okay. one show, and then we've had right. um, we've had our signing day shows where we've had we probably get gotten close to six or seven hundred on those days.
4: Right. That's very cool. But uh. But, yeah, okay.
2: We, we well, I appreciate
4: it. you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you having me on. No That's problem. On.
2: Thanks for joining us. You do. All
4: right.
2: Talk to you soon. Right. Go dog. Thanks, Rick. Go dog. Well, uh, good deal, Jerry. Good to have him join us. Well, Mike, I know you got, again, you got your hands full, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up for tonight, my man.
1: Appreciate you, right, brother. appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely. Anytime. Any I enjoyed that one. That was awesome. Yeah. Good to Any hear from you. Jason.
2: Jason Harry, dog. Big thanks to Rex Robinson for joining us.
1: A lot Oops. of good information from him. A lot oh, of yes. good information. <clears throat>
2: yeah, that was fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but until next week, go dogs. Go dogs, brother.
1: With lucky
4: landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?